we were discussing <clears throat> what's our part in um, that whole equation. Surely your love and mercy, your goodness will follow me. And um, what, what's our responsibility in that? And um, as we were talking about that as a worship team just for a few moments before the service, <clears throat> I think we agreed that that it's there with us. The question is, do we turn and embrace it or do we continue to pursue our own way? And um, I know there's been many times in my life when um, the presence of God seemed distant, but the reality is he was always there. <laughs> it was a matter of stopping, waiting, listening, allowing God to speak into my life, speak into the situation. So we're going to continue on with a um, series that I started last week. And just so you guys don't worry, those of you that were here last week, <clears throat> if I sound repetitive, <clears throat> you don't need to begin praying for me, oh Lord, he's losing his mind. That's already happened, probably. But um, I'm being repetitive to make sure that we're listening, that we're catch <coughs> catching all these things. In fact, Second um, Peter chapter 1, if you'd uh, turn there with me. Last week I read all of chapter 2. This week I'm thinking I might read all of 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who, this, this letter is written, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Have we obtained a like precious faith? Have we obtained a like precious faith? So this is for us, right? <clears throat> Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, we, we taught on this here a while back, add to your faith virtue, and this, that word add is choreograph. Choreograph. In other words, dance, have a complete dance put together of these things. And so when we, we look at this, I always like thinking about this from my upbring <clears throat> upbringing in church when we were not allowed to dance, that here it was in Second Peter all along saying, yes, you should dance, and this is the dance that you should have. It should be a dance of wholeness, a dance of holiness, 
uh, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, can't see beyond your personal lust and desires. I'm just adding that in there. Short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, even be even more diligent. You guys catch that? Because of these things, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. Wow. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For this reason, for what reason? You guys have been listening to what we just read? Yeah, so we don't stumble. For this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent. Thank you, Troy. Yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent just as the Lord Jesus showed me Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. So, Peter, if Peter can be repetitious, then so can I. I read that whole thing just for that, right? No, I read that because the times that we're living in are dangerous. And I think we probably don't understand how dangerous they are. Excuse me for a moment. That's just what I needed, Troy. So, <clears throat> we talked last week, began talking about this undercurrent that I believe is present. And a lot of you, <clears throat> I think, maybe think that I'm thinking the undercurrent is all of the social ills in our society today. And, and that's certainly... A part of it, but that's not what I'm mostly concerned about. Um, this week as I was studying and, and preparing for this, um, I was reminded of a riptide moment. Any of you ever experience a riptide? Some of you have been probably in a riptide and didn't know that you were in it, because usually a lot of people are very caught off guard by a riptide and it catches them and, and ends up that you are out way farther out in the ocean than you mean to be um, because what's happening in a riptide is the surface of the water is coming in while at the same time there's water going out and I know now that I've been around for a few years that what happens in a riptide is the water's coming in and you always feel kind of safe and so you go up to your knees and before you know it, you're just kind of up to your, your thighs and, and then pretty soon you're up to your waist because that rushing underneath you is pushing your feet forward and you're kind of having fun, you're digging your feet into the sand 
and you're letting it swish around and, and pretty soon you're a little farther out and you're out just a little bit further and pretty soon you're up here and as soon as you get up to your waist, depending on your size, um, you can lose control pretty fast in a riptide. And uh, by the way, just a little extra information, if you ever find yourself in a riptide, uh, if you find yourself out, the idea isn't trying to swim back in, it's trying to swim along with the uh, shore. Just a little extra information for you, should you ever find yourself in that predicament. So a riptide just keeps drawing you out, keeps drawing you out. And that's what I think is happening a lot in the world today is there's uh, this riptide moment that's taking place in our culture, in our society, and there's a lot of things that we think are going right, but there's also this undercurrent in Christianity um, that's catching people off guard. Years ago when I was a youth pastor, I've told some of you this story, that our youth group was at the beach and some of our kids found out what a riptide was. We almost lost three kids that day. You know what that does to a youth pastor when he's fairly new? Freaks you out. You know, you're standing, you're standing up there and thinking on the, on the shore, and you're thinking, how can I help those guys? And so if you're caught up in that undercurrent, it's tough to save you without having the proper knowledge and understanding and being able to move into that situation. Fortunately, we didn't have to call the Coast Guard, but we probably should have. Um, I was too young and dumb to be able to figure that one out at the time. So this undercurrent in Christianity, and we, we talked about this some last week, we're going to talk about it some more today, is happening, and it's, um, it's catching a lot of people off guard, and I personally wonder if we're truly prepared. Um, the obvious attacks are a problem. You, the obvious are attacks to me are like the um, baker in Colorado who is attacked because he chooses not to make a cake for a same-sex marriage. Those obvious attacks are part of, the, part of the problem, but that's not what I'm really worried about because we can look at that and go, oh, that's, that's an attack. But there's things that are happening in our personal lives where we're being drawn into, and as we get drawn into those areas, we're not necessarily making decisions that are spirit-led, we're just making quick decisions, and we're going to talk about how that happens, and I talked last week about the word backsliding, how it came to me during worship last week, and backsliding is an old term that we used to use a lot in the church, um, and I may, I may talk about that in the coming weeks a bit more, because there's a, a lot in the Old and New Testament about backsliding. Um, but we talked about backsliding in that somebody who had given their life to Christ, but their life was no longer reflecting that allegiance to Christ. It was reflecting more of their own personal desires. It was reflecting maybe more of the world's influence on their life. And so we'd say they were backsliding. And we generally uh, then pray for, for them and, and ask that the Lord would help them. And I love the fact that there's this scripture in the Old Testament that says that God will heal us of our backsliding. Um, but I think that re requires us to turn and allow him to heal uh, that part in our life. So 
this all came out of Ephesians 6.12. And Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So we were talking about um, darkness is... You guys with me this week? Darkness is the absence of light. And one of the things that's happening, um, and Paul writing to the church in Ephesus is, is telling them, we don't wrestle against flesh, flesh and blood. What we're wrestling against is principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the absence of light of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So we talked about Christian light, as in L-I-T-E, or the light of Christ. Um, some have coined the term diet Christian. The definition of light is having few calories, fewer calories or less of an ingredient than a food or beverage of the same kind. We talked about taste great. Less filling. Somebody's got it. And that was a whole, again, that goes back to that, where is your mental real estate? Where, where does Jesus have a voice in your life? It's this idea of being less serious or severe or difficult. That's another part of that uh, light, Christian light. Less severe, less serious. We don't want to be difficult. So as we focus on the political or the social issues um, around us, we may be being a light Christian, and, and you say, whoa, 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 I, I thought being conservative is what mattered. No, I think it's, it's a matter of being led by the Spirit is what matters. Is, is the Holy Spirit guiding your words and actions throughout the day? And yeah, those social issues are, are a problem. Political issues are a problem. But as long as the enemy can keep us placing blame somewhere else, it's those people, it's those liberals, it's those, it's those wackos, it's, it's those Californians. As long as we continue to do that, we are like an addict that is always blaming somebody else for their mess up. And... The world, what I, what I was trying to get at last week, and I want us to catch this again this week, is, is the world is not going to change at all unless the church fully owns what the gospel talks about. So light of, the Christ, light of Christ, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. In John 8, 12, he says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Well, that's good. Jesus is the light. Cody, isn't that great? Jesus is the light. Get a thumbs up from Cody. That's good. Well, here's the problem. Phil, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Uh-oh. Anybody else feel that? Whoa. Can we... Hold on, Jesus, I like you being the light of the world. I don't want to be the light of the world. I really like being however I feel like being today. Right? But here's the problem. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And, and here's what 
what we're told in that's that's out of Matthew 5:14 where Jesus says that you are the light of the world but Philippians 2:14 through 16 says it gives us a little bit more instruction it says do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation is are we in a crooked and perverse generation right now Apparently, they were back then as well. This is nothing new. Among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Holding fast the word of life. We need the word. We need it in us. And we need it a whole lot more than just here on Sunday mornings. So there's opposition in this place. Uh, we've been talking about that. If Ephesians 6.12 addresses that opposition that we're facing. How do we deal with that? So I want to help you guys understand this a bit. Um, because the strategy of the enemy is to wear you down. The strategy of the enemy is to wear me down. And um, I've got a couple of examples that I want to talk about this morning. One is the wind is an unseen force. We get a little bit of wind here in Cody, Wyoming. And we easily forget that there is an unseen force working against us. Just wait until wintertime, and you'll notice that there are some people still parking wrong at Walmart. You guys know what I'm talking about? You always park the nose of your car into the wind, because then the car door doesn't get yanked out of your hand. You say, well, Kenny, some of those spots are farther out in the parking lot. Yeah, you're better off to walk than to lose your door, right? Okay, so you can tell that it's there, but you can't see it. You say, well, wait, 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 I can see the wind. No, you can't. You can see the evidence of the wind. You can see the trees moving. You can see that, that the wind's blowing hard enough that it's picking rocks up and pelting your car, but you can't see the wind. And riding a bike into the wind, is, it's hard to ride. It's like going uphill. Sometimes the power of evil is so thick you can feel it like that. It's, it's a, it takes me back to a trip into Morocco and how when we passed into Morocco, I told uh, the missionary, Stan Dolan, I said, I think I could close my eyes and tell you when we go across the border. I said, it's, it feels that thick. And unless you've grown up with it or grown used to it, because, see, when I go into Morocco, I'm not used to it. But people that live there probably have no idea the intensity of the darkness that's there. In fact, can we, can we stop? Because it makes me think of, of um, Alex right now, because she's going into places that are extremely dark. Would you guys agree? I know that's just comforting to Lance and Steph right now. You know? But truthfully, Lord Jesus, we just lift up Alex right now and ask the Lord you would cover and protect her. That, Lord, there would be an understanding of the darkness, but also a comprehension, Lord, of the presence of Jesus Christ, the light of the world that is within her and surrounding her and her team. That, Lord, that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. Lord, that there would be um, safety and there would be boldness, but there would also be wisdom in the leading of your Holy Spirit in all of those things. So, Lord, shine forth your light and help them to endure that, that uh, 
oppositional force that's against them, Lord, not just to survive, but, Lord, to thrive. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you've lived in Cody for a long time, you've gotten used to it. You probably don't understand it, but I've had people that have visited here and said, wow, do you realize what you're up against here? Well, yeah. And they said, no, no, you don't understand. The Lord showed me some things, and, and they began to unpack some of those things. And unless you've grown up with habits and practices that you just get used to. Now, going back to that, that illustration of riding my bike, I remember that it's one thing to ride into the wind. It's a wonderful thing to ride with the wind. But here's the problem. If you ride with the wind, you may not wind up where you want to be. Because the wind isn't always blowing the direction that you want to go or the direction you need to go. You'll feel fast and tough as you're riding with the wind, but it will still not necessarily get, get you where you need to go. So we also know the wind is easily underestimated. Hurricane Florence this week kind of proved that, that uh, we started out with a hurricane, Category 4, then 3, then 2, then 1. I think maybe some people were praying. You know, because first of all, I heard some guys talking about this, and they said that wasn't supposed to, you know, when it was clear out to sea, they said that's never going to hit the United States. And, and it ended up hitting. And, and, yeah, there's been some devastation, but wouldn't you guys agree that a Category 1 is way better than a Category 4? And there's still damage. There's still lives lost. And, and it's sad. But at the same time, I think people were praying for that to be uh, reduced. And thank you, Lord, that it was. I had, had a friend uh, on the East Coast that was concerned and... Um, she was very, very thrilled to see that it reduced to a Category 1 right before it hit the coast. Um, now, I want to show a video, and it proves, it proves a point that um, there's something going on. And are you ready, Zach, for that first video? If you guys haven't seen this, it's kind of funny. Uh, I'm going to turn the lights off. that I don't need to explain it to anybody <clears throat> I thought that one was was fun but here's the problem when they over dramatize stuff like that it causes people to not listen it's like the boy who cried wolf and I I get concerned because as a pastor there's a temptation for you to think 
Pastor Kenny's just over-dramatizing things. He's just getting way, way crazy right now. He's seeing things change, and, and he's worried, and, and he's like that guy standing on the grass, you know, that can't keep his footing. That's what we were told. That was the excuse of why he was standing. I don't know if you guys know it, but there's a whole bunch of videos now that are mocking that. They're, if you want some good laughs, they're even doing it in Israel. So uh, that was one of the videos I watched this morning. So the problem with over-dramatizing is that um, there can still be a problem, but people aren't going to listen as well. And that was one of the things that my friend said is, she said, I don't know if there's really as bad as they say it is because they hype it so much now that it causes people to not listen. And I just want you guys to know something. There still was a hurricane. There still was danger. There were still lives lost. There was still property lost. And just because you may have escaped unscathed doesn't mean that there wasn't a hurricane. The wind... Now, if you put, I, I happen to know that Phil rides bikes. Phil and Linda ride bicycles, and, and he's much more proficient than I am. And um, if you put Phil and I in a wind, Phil would outride me. And I'm pretty sure, my friend, because <laughs> look at this. I'm like a sail. You know, I'm just like, blow me backwards. And the wind, just because it doesn't affect you the same way, doesn't mean we shouldn't be observant and being concerned about those around us. Because it can leave you with everything blown away. It can even blow you away. The but that wind will affect people different ways. Now, the other thing is there's doctrinal winds that are blowing and blowing people off course. Now, Ephesians 4.14, I'm not going to have you turn there, but I, I want you to um, catch this. It says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. It's interesting to me that Paul writes this verse to the church in Ephesus in response to the, what the church is about. He's, he's talking about till we all come to the unity of the faith, till we all have this concept of Jesus in our hearts. The hope of glory is happening from our lives. And he's saying that the idea is that you should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, every, every wind that's out there blowing people around. That shouldn't be us. We should be rock solid. We should be like those two young men that are walking around what wind? You know, instead of trying to put on an act, we're saying we can say, yes, there, there is a hurricane blowing, but I'm founded in Christ. This doesn't blow me away. But the winds of false doctrine can blow us off course and cause us to miss the purpose of his church. And that's why Paul is writing this. He knows that as much as we have a purpose, it's those false doctrines, it's those lies of the principalities of darkness that bring in, that cause people to get confused. And we miss the point. We wind up, and I, I'm going to, 
I'm going to touch on this one because this is su such an important one to hit, even though I don't think it's probably something that anybody here struggles with. But we worry about the doctrine of whether or not women can do anything in the church. When we know that women were used greatly in the church, there, there are plenty of women in Scripture that are being used by the Lord. And we wind up divided over these things instead of unified around the purpose and plan of salvation. Now, last week I said I wasn't going to talk about specifics because those are more of the outside things where what I'm really wanting to encourage you guys to do is get a hold of what Jesus is speaking to you about things that are going on in your own life, decisions that you're making. But how you handle the doctrinal winds blowing affects more than just you. Parents, here's the, here's the truth. It will affect your children too, how you handle the things that are going on right now. The places where you choose to compromise, your kids will not only compromise, they'll go farther. I was having a discussion this week with a few folks, and what really struck me is that we were talking about something that's generally accepted in Christian circles, but as we enter into that, there's a lot of us that have a history that keep us from going very far. But our kids don't have the same history. They don't have the same experiences. And so if we open the door to something, we may be opening a gateway into their lives. And so we have to walk in wisdom about these things. We can't just make decisions and go, hey, you know, I'm covered by grace. The other, the other thing that I want to talk about this morning, the other example, <clears throat> is you got that other video ready? Zach, real important that you have that volume up on this one. Uh, let's take a look at this. If the tiniest bit of evidence will make us believe the unbelievable, what would I have to show someone to make them believe the impossible? To find out, I set up an experiment. What's up, everybody? First, I placed an ad on Craigslist to recruit some help, and then I told them my plan. You guys are gonna help me convince a dude that he's invisible. Yeah. <laughs> For real. I chose a few featured players. What's your name? Doug. Doug. Yeah, drink as much of the water as you can, but don't swallow it. Kelsey, you'll kind of be right here. And Katie, you'll take a picture like this. Mike, you're gonna do something really important. No matter what the person does, this audience is gonna pretend they cannot see them. Once all the roles were assigned, I put on a little magic show to attract an unsuspecting subject. This is literally like a trick I used to do at kids' birthday parties when I was 12. And it wasn't long before we had a taker. First, I had to convince him that invisibility was real. You guys familiar with the concept of invisibility? The water, visible, yes? Yes. We can see it. We can hear it. But when it becomes invisible... Oh, take the bottle. Take a sip. It is invisible now, but swish it around and it becomes visible. Oh! <laughs> so far, so good. Should we try it with people? Yeah. yeah. Feeling it? Oh, yeah. What's your name? Jonathan. 
Come on up here, Jonathan. Give it up for Jonathan. Jonathan. Number one, you can take a seat. Jonathan, you feeling it? Yeah. What's your name? Mike. Mike, give it up for Mike and Jonathan. Now for the real convincer. Oh. We got two men and a blanket. You guys ready to do this? Let's go, let's do it. All right, here we go. Mike, sit up straight. I'm gonna cover you up. Here we go. Don't move. Let's make him invisible on the count of three. One, two, two three. And Jonathan is now a believer. You ready? No. Okay, here we go. I'm cover you. Invisible on the count of three. One. Two, Two, three. They did not vanish. You cannot see them or hear them. Let me show you what I mean here. With your right hand, I want you to grab this can. I feel you, I feel you, don't let go. I got it, there we go, perfect, perfect. Mike's holding on to it. That's perfect, that's perfect, that's perfect. I'm gonna grab it. Jonathan, we can't see you or hear you, but will you just Grab the can. Yeah, there we go, there we go. There we go. <laughs> and now for the fun part. Shoot, I'm sorry. This will just take one minute. I'll bring, um, it's an emergency. Hey, it's Justin, I'm sorry. Thanks, Zach. Are you ready? Yeah. Thanks to Steph Parker who uh, posted that on Facebook last week. Uh, so here's the, here's the point from that that I, I want you guys to catch is part of the problem is that we are being convinced by everybody that's around us of things that we know aren't true. Connie was talking to somebody this week and she was telling them uh, a particular scripture and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test you guys right now and see if you guys know this one. To him who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. You good, good, you guys know that one. So if we don't understand that, when we're faced with the, the lies of the enemy, no matter how many people come around you and tell you that it's truth, we better know what Jesus says. We better have the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and learn to listen to that still, small voice that is speaking to us because just because people are out there convincing someone that they're invisible doesn't mean that they're invisible, right? And um, the conclusion this week is much the same as last week. 2 Peter chapter 2, I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, uh, but I'm going to just select a few things here. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. And so on, on it goes on to say in um, 
For if God did not spare the angels who sinned but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment and did not spare the ancient world but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood of the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. So this is the part that I really like getting to because it doesn't say that God was tormenting his soul. It says that Lot, by his choice to live where he was living, tormented his righteous soul. But here's the good news. If, if the Lord can deliver Noah, if the Lord can deliver Lot, then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment, punishment for the day of judgment. Here's, here's the most important thing. God is able to deliver you even when you make poor choices. The question for, for you is, are you asking? Are you just being swept along because everybody says it's okay? Are you, are you being uh, drawn into things that maybe you shouldn't be drawn into? Um, are there any riptides? Let me bring it back into that, that metaphor. Are there any riptides that are drawing you farther out away from the will of God? Is there any wind of doctrine that is fooling you right now? Have you been following a crowd rather than being led by the Spirit? You say, man, Pastor Kenny, this, this is hard. I, and I, I think it should be hard because we are living in days that are dangerous and, and the enemy wants to fool you. My Bible tells me that if possible, the very elect will be led astray. So I can't, I can't stand here before you and and just try and preach a happy message to you and, and hope that you guys all make it. Because I also read Ezekiel this week, and you guys realize that Ezekiel, God tells him that he's a watchman. And, and he says, Ezekiel, if I tell you to warn people and you don't warn them, then I will require their blood from you. I think that's serious business. In church, I believe that as the riptide continues, that there are going to be people that need to be rescued, and we need a church that's ready to rescue instead of a church that's floundering out there themselves. Amen? So, Lord, I pray this morning as we close up this time in your word that there would be that understanding, Lord, even this week as we encounter various things, that, Lord, we wouldn't be sucked into things, Lord. We wouldn't be blown here and there by... Um, attitudes or opinions, but Lord, we would be seeking you in all of these things. Lord, that we wouldn't be swayed by public opinion, but Lord, we'd look to you and say, Lord, what does your word say? How should I then live knowing the truth of your word? And Lord, in those places where we fail, Lord, I'm thankful that you are capable of delivering us from those failures and teaching us and helping us to learn from those things. So, Lord, be glorified in your church. Help us to be that spotless bride that it talks about in Revelation, that, that bride who is ready for the return of the Savior, the groom.
God, I, I pray that you'd also teach us the difference between condemnation and conviction. Lord, that we would not be condemned, but Lord, we would be convicted and we'd make changes that are necessary. In Jesus' name, amen.